Today we will continue in our series, Paradigm Shift. As I said a couple weeks ago, a paradigm is something that you look through less about what you're looking at. It's about what you're looking through and less about what you're looking at. And, and my hope and my desire is that we as a church would, would begin to look through the life of Jesus, the mind of Jesus, the values of Jesus. For it is hard to lead like Jesus if you don't see like Jesus. Um, and so sometimes we need uh, some of our paradigms to be challenged, uh, and, and we should continually be having our minds and our hearts shaped by the Word of God, transformed and conformed into the Word of God. Today I want to help us shift from only seeing God as this distant deity that is in control of everything to a God that is present and at work in everything. Let me say that again. I want us to shift from seeing God as this distant deity that is in control of everything to a God that is present and at work in everything. Did you know that God is always present and at work in the world? I want to tell you all a story that happened to me about a week ago. I was on my way into our new facility. I thought y'all would have shouted on that part right there. All right. Y'all didn't put enough work in yesterday. And I recognized that there was a group of people in our parking lot. I noticed there were about 15 or 20 kids and three adult males that were playing basketball and throwing a football. So I go over to introduce myself to them. After a brief introduction, I called the deacon over there at Grace and inquired, did he know anything about this group using our property? He said, oh, yeah, that's the school across the street. We allow them to use our property for recess. I said, okay. And then started a conversation with myself. Don't judge me. It happens all the time. The rim that I observed they were playing on had to be there since the 60s. I moved it back. I said 70s last time, and that, that wasn't good. So we're 60s. So Flourish should, should, should buy them a new one. And then I said, well, we can't do that because we have so much to, to get done. And then in that moment, church, the spirit enters into the conversation. What is flourish about, Dexter? That we're about God shining and people flourishing. That's right, Dexter. Well, here's your opportunity to let God shine and people flourish. Buy them a rim. So I did. The Spirit then instructed me to go over to the school and see what else Flourish could do to better the recess for this school, for these young kids. And I'm hoping I did go over there, and the, and the gentleman that I spoke with, he was super excited when I relayed this message to him, and he said, I'm going to have you join the kids in the circle, and we can talk about what recess can look like on this property. Why do I tell this story? Because often God is inviting us into the work he is doing in the world, and if you don't watch it, you'll miss it. Did I put that school across the street? Did I arrange that moment? No, God did. And, 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 and is God wanting our church to partner in whatever he is trying to accomplish in that school time will tell. But God is always, friends, listen to me, he is always present and he is always at work. Do you know what keeps the church from partnering or even realizing the Father is at work? 
Nothing gets in the way of the church partnering with God in the world like Sundays or can you say religion? I want to tell you another story, a story when Jesus was at work, but, but, but church people tried to stop it because, because he did it on their precious Sunday service. It was more like a Saturday, if you will. If you can't say amen this morning, ouch is an appropriate response as well. Or you can just look amen if you need to. If you say, I didn't grow up saying amen, it's kind of hard for me, just look at it. That'll suffice. Jesus is found working on the Sabbath, y'all. In our story today, if you would walk with me this morning, in our story today, Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath. This is problematic. Let me tell you a little bit about this man before we hop too deep into the story then tell you why Jesus is healing him on the Sabbath and, and what was the big deal about it. Uh, soon to be flourished, I want to introduce you to a disabled friend of mine in John 5. According to the scriptures, this man has lived with this affirmity for 38 years. He had been sick longer than Jesus had been on earth. The Bible says that this man had an infirmity. The word means that he had some, some weakness or frailness that prevented him from walking about as other men. Imagine now with me for a moment, go there with me with all of your emotions and feelings. Imagine not being able to walk for 38 years. I know it's hard for us with working legs to really comprehend that, but as best you can, meet me there. See, this man has been longing to be healed. He has been longing to be made whole. So much so he had believed a lie. See, when we are desperate, we will believe almost anything. Let me say that a better way. When we're desperate, we'll put our faith in almost anything. And we got to be slow to judge people when they do that because oftentimes people are just trying not to lose hope and so they start placing their faith in all kinds of places and things because the worst place for the human soul to be is hopelessness, which is why we will we'll grab on to alcohol if we have to. Y'all know what alcohol is? Hennessy, uh, Tito's. Okay, y'all church folks, let me. Communion wine, anybody? I, yeah, that sounds like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll tell you later what's in the cabinet, but not right now. We'll grab a hold to good things, Netflix and Hulu, all, all in hopes not to lose hope. The scariest place for the soul is hopelessness. Let's look at the verse. He says, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which was five roof colonnades. These lay a multitude of invalid, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Now, I got to pause there because, because you don't ask sick people, do they want to be healed? Like, that's, go, go on up to the hospital and ask somebody, do you want to be healed? 
The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. This is interesting because Jesus asks, does he want to be healed? And he starts talking about a pool. While I'm going, another steps down before me. The man is like, I want to be healed, but I can't get in the large tub. I hear there is healing in that water. No different in today's church is selling people healing water. Just stop by TBN. They'll mail it to you for exchange of some money. And so Jesus rose up on the man, not at church, but in the streets. And Jesus rose up like, what's up, homie? This is how I read it, y'all. I know you've been here a minute. You want to be healed? Bro, like, are you kidding? But Jay, I can't get in this pool. Jay is like, listen, homie, say less, I got you. That's how I read it. Listen, I'm going to get you straight. But I need you to know something. When I get you straight, bro, it's going to shake some things up. Jesus said to him, get up and take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. And it's about to go down now, y'all. Jesus fixes his eyes on the man who's been at the pool for 38 years. And Jesus is now getting ready to change his life upside down. And if I can park here for a minute, there's something about meeting Jesus that turns a life upside down. In a good way and not in a bad way. There's some folks in this room, when you encounter Jesus, he turns your life upside down. And you ain't been the same since. Because that's what happens when you run into the Lord of the universe. Friends, I want you to notice that when the man put his faith in the pool, no healing. But when he put his faith in Jesus, he was made whole. Jesus fixed this. In a moment, what the man couldn't fix in 38 years. It's not just faith, y'all, but it's what you place your faith in that matters. Because you can place your faith on a centimeter thick of ice and say that it'll hold you up and your tail going to the bottom. The power is not in faith, but what faith puts its hope in. But for this dude, this is a good day. In fact, it should be a good day for, for everybody, right? When one rejoice, we all should rejoice. You know, but everyone doesn't rejoice when you get delivered. Everybody's not happy when you get set free, especially if it doesn't elevate their power and control. There's some folks that's not going to rejoice that you got free because it doesn't elevate their power and their control over your life anymore. Some people don't want to see people be free because their empire is built on certain individuals' oppression. But anyhow, Jesus does this, and my man is walking with his bed now, y'all. He's, he's walking. I mean, y'all got to see this thing, y'all. I got this. This is like a changing table. Ain't nobody changed. So I sanitized it. It's all good, y'all. It's all I had, you know. And so he got his badge, y'all. And, and, and me, you know, Mama Frida, I just, you know, this is just what I see in the text, you know. 
I like to bring it up. You know, I like to bring it up to, you know, up to date. I, I, I see Crystal, him with his bed in his hand, listening to Outcast in the background, walking around the pool. Ain't nobody dope as me. I dress so fresh, so fresh and so clean, clean. Y'all could just keep looking at me. I know some of y'all don't know that song because all y'all listen to is 90, 90.1 or 102.3. That's all right. But then as he's walking, as he's dancing, as he's singing, as he's celebrating, as joy fills his heart because after 30, 38 years, he is finally healed. And then all of a sudden, the song stops. The skip in his step, it stops. The spring and his step is stopped. And he hears a voice yell from the other side of the pool. Hey, yo, what are you doing with that bed in your hand, bruh? Everybody says it's about to go down. Do you know, this is what they yell from across the pool. Hey, you know it's illegal for you to be carrying that bed. Now, no, religion always notices the rules, but never the work of God. They always notice the rules, but they never notice the work of God. Religion likes to police the work of God. Can you see them today texting and posting, saying, you ain't going to believe this? Y'all know how people get, uh-huh, he think he all that, right? Look at him over there carrying that bag. Can you believe he or she had the nerve? They had the nerve, the unmitigated goal to get healed on a Sunday. They stopped the entire church service and started dancing out of nowhere. Can you believe this? They stopped the choir. They stopped the preacher. Now, if they would have did it after service, that would have been all right. But during service, can you believe the nerve for real? Keep walking the text with me. Can you imagine the heel paralytic reply as they question him about being healed, about being made? Oh. But see, he says, y'all, y'all don't understand. Let me let me explain real fast. I, I, I know that according to, to, to these man-made laws, I, I shouldn't be carrying this bed. I, I do understand that, but, but sir, I, 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 I want to share something with y'all. You see, what y'all don't understand is I've just been healed. I've just been made whole. See, I was down by the pool of Bethesda for, for 38 years crippled. And now I'm healed, so, 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 so if y'all don't mind, I, 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 I'm walking around with this bed because something miraculous has happened to me. And a man walked past me and asked me if I wanted to get healed, and you already know I had to take him up on that offer. He told me to stand up, and so I did, and all of a sudden my legs got strong, and I started dancing and, and footworking if some of y'all are from Chicago. And so I'd never done that before. I seen everybody else doing it and I wanted to do it. I'm able to play soccer if I want to. I can jump rope if I want to. And so 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 I need y'all to understand what has happened to me. And I can't begin to tell you how great I felt in that moment. You see, as 
He's telling them his story. It's right in that moment. In the middle of his testimony. That they cut him off. And they say, we don't want to hear about your pre-existing conditions. And we don't want to hear about your medical records. Religion doesn't care about your testimony if it doesn't fit the program. Religion is like somewhat like our medical system. Our medical system is sometimes less focused on the healing of people, and they give you drugs that keep you dependent, and it causes the empire to get bigger. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not against medicine. Religion may numb or even manage the human condition, but it has no power to heal you. But religious people love to keep people on religion because they remain dependent on them. I'm going to say that again. I'm preaching better than y'all talking to me. Religion loves to keep people dependent on them because it gives them something to glory in. They are mad because they didn't approve this healing. This is ridiculous. Now we are all thinking this is absurd, but the question is, how do we do this in 2022? What kind of people are we not rejoicing over their healing? Or who are we stopping from getting to God because of our religious system? Oh, see, 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 it's easy to judge the Pharisees, uh, but it's hard to see the Pharisee in yourself. Now let's keep reading. Let's keep reading because it gets interesting in verse 9. Jesus said to him, get up and take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he, he walked. Now watch it now. John is not crazy. John knows what he's writing. And he goes quickly to say, so that we in 2022 can understand what's going on. He said, now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is, it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. What's the problem? You see, the Sabbath had become something God never intended it to be by the time we get to John 5. God intended for, for the Sabbath to serve people and not the other way around. And see, this is what we got to watch because sometimes what we think is sound theology is actually, just, is actually snowballed into our culture and what we feel and what we think, and then we want to project that upon other people and say that God said it. And you can make the word say whatever you want to say. The Sabbath was meant to serve people, not the other way around. Just like our Sunday mornings, they were intended to serve God's people, not people serve Sundays. And we must make sure, or oftentimes we want to make sure we get through the program. If a person walked in right now saying they needed prayer, will we stop the singing to do so? If someone's being ministered to by a song, will we keep singing? The religious leaders did more than, more than just protect the Sabbath. They, 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 they put a fence around it. One thing is certain, nothing gets in the way of the advancement of the gospel like religion. The religious leaders were not able to rejoice because of what they made the Sabbath to be. 
You see, they did everything they could to protect the Sabbath, but they did very little to protect this man. They did this by adding to Scripture. They essentially made a a man-made hedge. For example, you couldn't look in the mirror on the Sabbath. Some of y'all like, I'm out already. Ain't nowhere in the world. I got to check me out before I go out. You feel me? <laughs> y'all don't see all that? No, I'm just messing around. But the rationale was that if you looked in the mirror and you saw gray hair, you would be tempted to pull it out and thereby be working on the Sabbath. Some of y'all are like, yeah, about right. I ain't no tempted. I would have pulled it out. It gets, it gets worse. It gets, it gets dumb. This is what religion does. You couldn't wear false teeth. Y'all ain't going to believe this one. Uh, you could wear false teeth because they may fall out, and you would be tempted to pick them up and thereby be walk, working on the Sabbath. Now, if my teeth fall out, I'm picking them up. I don't care what it is. I'm not going to leave my grill on the ground. Ain't going to happen. You feel me? <laughs> the Jews even debated about if a man could wear a wooden leg. Namely, if his house caught on fire, could he carry a wooden leg? Religious people were excellent list givers and poor relationship builders. Jesus has told a man to carry his bed. Never mind he was healed. There was no question about healing. All they wanted to know is who is the man who told you to pick up your bed and walk? We want to know who that is because We got an issue. And my mind is blown because I'm like, you don't see this man like fully healed. But the question becomes, I begin to investigate the text and and begin to ask questions because this is normally what happens as I'm preparing to preach. I'm, I'm asking my own questions and trying to get in front of the questions that I think that you all would ask. And if I would slow down, you might have questions that I didn't even think of. But one of the questions that I had is why do they want to get rid of God? Why do they want to get rid of Jesus? Is the answer Sabbath. Jesus kept healing on the Sabbath. See, Jesus' persecution actually didn't start on the cross. It actually, his biggest issue with these cats was the Sabbath. You know, they may have not crucified Jesus if he would have just chose another day. And I'm bugging out because I'm like, hey, yo, Jesus, why you can't pick Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? No, I'm just playing. But, 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 but I'm asking these. I'm sorry, y'all. Something jumped on me. I got it all for me, though. Uh, he and he, I, was getting re- oh, I was getting ready to go there, but I'm going back. Lamont, what, 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 what I cannot understand, I'm like, Jesus, like, like you ain't even got to have beef with these cats. All you got to do is heal on another day and y'all be legit. Y'all be straight. There will be no drama. You know, they may not have crucified him. So my question is, Jesus, why didn't you just choose another day? Instead of upsetting these dudes, it's like my son. I say, stop doing stuff to upset your sister. Please, any parents in the room, your kids, they be arguing about nothing. You like, just move over. Just pass the milk. 
That touched somebody in the room right there. They like, amen. I ain't get nothing else you were saying, but he needs some milk. I'm not messing around. <laughs> but they be fighting, and you just like, as a parent, you like this real simple. You move here, you move there, and everything's good. And so this is how I'm looking at the text. Jesus, you go here, they go there, and we're all good. But why is Jesus picking a fight? But more than forgetting why Jesus chooses the Sabbath, what does this altercation on the Sabbath tell us about them? And here it is. These folks do not like the gospel of grace. They don't like it. It does something to them. It makes their, makes their skin crawl. It makes them have out-of-body experiences, this, this gospel of grace. Why all this viciousness towards Jesus? The answer is here in the Sabbath question. They wanted rules. They did not want God's grace. They wanted human merit. They did not want the simplicity of divine pardon. You see, this is what brings about Jesus' persecution. They wanted to kill Jesus for making people whole apart from religion. And when did Jesus' persecution start? Way before the cross, because he was in the business of making people whole apart from the dependency of man, because God don't need nobody to make nobody whole. If God wants to heal you, he'll heal you. If God wants to set you free, he'll set you free. And you ain't got to go through no ritual. You ain't got to go through no system. Jesus will roll up on you tomorrow night and say, be healed. They didn't start having a problem with Jesus when they pulled out the cat of nine tails. No, they start having an issue with Jesus when he started making cats whole. Remember the, shrivel, the, the man with the shriveled hands? In the other Gospels, Jesus interrupts the church service, and he says, stretch out your hand, and they got all kind of problems with him because they're not getting any glory out of this. Because grace works in such a way that nobody gets the glory but God alone. And if we're honest, sometimes that bothers us because we feel like we got to do something in order for God to work. Friends, God will die to make one person whole. They wanted to do something for themselves. If you continue to read through the book of John, you'll see that they were, they, they were getting in their feelings because they said everybody's going to him. Everybody's going to him. Now, here's the crazy part. Because y'all claim that y'all are in y'all positions to point everybody to God. But then God come and y'all made everybody going to God. You better watch yourself because some of the things you say that you're doing for God is sometimes really about you. And then God shows up and you ain't getting no glory. And all of a sudden you find out, oh, I thought I was doing this for the Lord. Religion seeks not only to control people, but it also seeks to control God. They wanted to manage the work of God. Sometimes we want to manage it so we can make a profit out of it. They thought they were the ones doing stuff for God. How? Because they saw so, 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 so God as way up there and in control, and they were down here doing the stuff of God. And thus, here is where we need a paradigm shift. I read this this week. Mission, mission isn't doing stuff for God. 
It is joining God in his work. Missions isn't doing stuff for God. It is joining God in his work. You're going to want to tuck that into the pocket of your heart. Missions isn't doing stuff for God. It is joining God in his work. So when we notice something he is doing, we focus our resources and our energy into it because God project our people. God created humanity as the pinnacle of his creation. The writer goes on to say, creating us in his image and giving us the task of partnering with him in the cultivation of creation. God's project, lean in on this church, God's project is bringing his people into abundant life. God is in the business of flourishing people in every way. Oh, y'all didn't catch the flourishing part? Y'all don't see what I'm doing already. I saw some of y'all may have caught it. We know what you're up to. Free advertisement, brother. <laughs> Just like God gave, remember, y'all remember in Genesis? When God gave Adam and Eve the job of cultivating creation, Jesus invites us in the same way. He invites his disciples. He invites his children. He invites those who have been redeemed. He invites those who have been transferred out of darkness and into the kingdom of light. He invites those who have been made righteous, whom he's imputed righteousness to. He invites us. He invites us, y'all, to partner with him in cultivating a new creation. Instead of telling people to step back and watch, Jesus is inviting people to step up and partner. God isn't looking for obedient slaves he can use. He's looking for willing partners he can empower. God wants us to enjoy the rest of working with him. I know that's a, 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 I want to read that one more time. God wants us to enjoy the rest of working with him. Working with God is where rest and work kiss. Working with God is where rest and work kiss. What I enjoyed about yesterday is we all came together to accomplish a goal for the glory of God. And it was a joy to partner with so many people in the work, but I believe God was partnering with us as well. And we get a picture of what God is inviting us, uh, us to through this, through, this, through, through, uh, uh, through this God who cannot walk. When Jesus meets this man, he is what? He's disabled and he cannot walk. He is desperate. No, 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 no. No, he's, he's desperate. The very fact that he is here at this pool and his condition is proof that this man is desperate for healing. Can you imagine him dragging his broken body to the pool every day? Not only is he desperate, but he's disappointed. And I pause to say that because that's something that we all can relate to. Being desperate and disappointed at the same time is a bad combination. And he tells Jesus that every time he is about to get into the water, someone else beats him there and goes away with the healing instead. Jesus, every time I try to get my healing, somebody else gets in front of me, and some of us can relate to that. God, I've been serving you. I've been going to church. I've been doing X, Y, and Z, and yet everyone else is experiencing something good, and I continue to come up empty-handed. What a picture of a sinner who is lost and separated from God by his sin. 
regardless of what he tries, the sinner is still lost and unable to walk in the ways of the Lord. All of us. In one sense or another, we're like this lame man at the pool. We cannot walk. We cannot help ourselves. We are, we are hopeless spiritually. We are crippled. The sinner may be able to put a, a good show and have all the appearances of being right with God. And don't we love to put on our mask and make people think that we're all right? But the fact remains that God knows the heart of the sinner. And he knows that the sinner is dead until he tastes the life that can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. But what do we do instead of turning to God? We drag ourselves around. And we cannot save ourselves. And so what do we need, pastor? What do we need, preacher? We need the same thing that healed this man. God's grace, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace to reach into our world and save us. And here's the good news. The God of grace is present and at work in our lives in the world all the time. Right now, as I speak, he is working in this room. Somebody's here today because God had a divine appointment for you that God's going to meet you at your pool, not tomorrow, but right now because he's at work. I remember it happened to me. I just showed up at church. Preachers started preaching. I said, that's for me. God grabbed my heart, brought me to life, and all of a sudden I start walking to a God that I would never walk to on my own. This is the kind of grace that God has. And it doesn't matter how far you are. It doesn't matter what your condition is. It doesn't matter what your situation Because you know how we do. We start evaluating people on who God can say. I don't know about this one right here, Lord. You know, and we'll be far away looking too. Yeah. Nah, ain't no way in the world God can say, oh, if you know what I know. We start evaluating people's condition. And we start talking about what God can't do. And the only reason why we start talking about what God can't do is because we don't understand the power of God. And that God's power has no limit. And there is nothing that has ever come before God that he cannot solve. There is no problem that has ever baffled him. There is nothing in the universe, in the world, that he cannot do. Nothing is impossible with God. Stop, stop evaluating people and counting them out of the grace of God. Because the only reason why your tail is here today halfway decent and you've been saved <laughs> is because the grace of God and some of us, if we're being honest in the church, are hanging on by a thread. And if we're real honest, half of the time, it ain't us keeping us. It's God keeping me. I don't know if I got some honest folks in the room, but I'm going to tell you, there's sometimes that even a preacher get up and say, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it another day. Most of the time, it's God keeping us. The very grace of God is present. And this is what Jesus says. The man went away and told the Jews, here he goes, he gets healed. He got his mat. He goes back to the Jews because he don't want no smoke, y'all, to be quite honest. Because these cats got power. They ain't the kind of folks you want to mess with. They kick you out of church, and church was like the center of society then. And so he go back, he like, hey, uh, it was that cat Jesus that told, that told me to walk. I don't even know why y'all won't smoke with me. I ain't even did nothing, you know. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus. Told y'all they were persecuting him before he was at the cross. Because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. There it is. It's in the text. And Jesus answered them, 
<laughs> you got to love Jesus. Every time these cats came at him, he came right back for them. Jesus like, I ain't sent for him, but since they coming, here we go. He said, Jesus was a G. I, I'm telling y'all, man. Uh, uh, my father is working until now, Keith, he says. He says, my father is working until now, and I am working. What I love about this story is Jesus came to the man because he saw something. Now watch it now. Jesus found the man and ministered to the man. Why? Because Jesus recognized God was at work in this man's life. How? Notice the man understands he needs help. He understands better than the Pharisees he needs something outside of himself to help him. Isn't that something that sometimes folks outside the church know they need, need God more than the folks in the church? But he is looking. His problem is, is he knows he needs help. He knows that he needs help outside of himself. To me, I see that at God already at work in his life. But the issue is, is he's looking to the wrong thing. See, God was already at work, but the man needed someone to point him in the right direction. And Jesus simply says, see, Jesus simply sees the searching in the wanting, and then he points the man away from the pool, and then he points him to himself. Now, Jesus is the only one that can do that. Y'all can't do that. Y'all like, oh, I get it. I got to point people to myself. Please don't do that. <laughs> Just leave him at the pool if you're going to do that. <laughs> Because you know it, I know. We all a mess. And Jesus rose up on him, and he points him in the right direction. Because he said that I am him, I am him that you need. Not the pool or anything else is what you need. It is me. And friends, this is what God is calling us to do at Spurs Church, to partner with him with his work in the world. Flourish Church is like the pool. We can't heal anyone. But we ought to point people away from the pool into the fountain of living water, a well that does not run dry. There are people that know that they need help. They're looking for help. But God has been working to get them to him, and they just need a church crazy enough, radical enough to believe that God is still in the business of saving men and women. People need some folks that are radical enough to say, we ain't just thinking about Sunday morning and having our coffee and a nice building, but we realize that there's a dying world, that there's a dark world, and the same little light that God put in me, I'm going to let it shine so that others may know that there's a light out there. I'm just preaching to myself now because I believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we may ever think or even ask. I just believe that God is powerful enough, big enough, strong enough to do the exceedingly, to do the abundantly. And I came to tell you is that if you ever get on the same train as God, you'll experience some miracles in people's lives. There is nothing greater. There is nothing that will give you more joy than to see someone else's someone else's chains fall off of them. When did we stop rejoicing over people's chains falling off and people getting right? Maybe you ain't talking about it because you ain't experienced God in a very long time. But can I tell you that he's able to move because when God gets down on the inside, <laughs> woo, when he 
gets down on the inside. No, I'm not talking about the outside. When he gets on the outside, you just know your Christian knees. You just show up to church and nothing changes. But when he gets down on the inside, something begins to happen. Things become becomes the life. Death removes itself. Darkness begins to spread. When you were in your wrong mind, God gets you in your right mind. The things that you thought that will never come off of you starts falling off. And you say, I knew he was big, but I didn't know that he was that big. I wish I had some folks in the room. Some of y'all have been walking five years, ten years, free from stuff that you thought that you'll never get free from. But baby, isn't he powerful? Didn't he do it? I said, did he do it, church? Oh, he did it. He did it when you least expected that he'll do it. But he did it, and he showed up, not in a small way, but in a big way. And now folks looking at you and say, now I know good and well that I used to know her. And I know good and well that I used to know him. And you look them back in their eyes, and you say, who you used to know ain't there no more. Oh, somewhere I read that any man be in Christ, the old is gone and the new is what? The new has come because when God does it, he doesn't just give you a behavior modification. He gives you a brand new life. And this is the good thing is that he gives you a clean slate. He starts you over again. And when he comes to the man at the pool and he's lame and he's broken, life shows up encapsulated in Jesus and Jesus gives him something new. What does that mean, though? It means, church, that we're going to have to see God bigger than Sunday. God is at work in the world. And God is at work in your world. Because we can look at something as simple as getting a basketball rim and say, God can't use that. Has to be a sermon. But remember the woman at the well? Jesus never talked about a cross. He never talked about nails in his hands. He never talked about resurrection. He talked about water and buckets. He took a mop bucket and he took water and he preached to her soul. When we look out, do we see a God that can take basketball rims, mops and buckets, grass, hair, movies, and use them because he's at work in them? And if all you see is this box you created, this Sabbath box that you created, you can never see the creator working outside of it, wanting to do something, calling you into partnership with what he's doing. I'm trying to help us as we transition. Because most of the world is not coming to church anymore. They're not coming. Because we're building buildings and saying that we got good coffee. We're not going to keep up with Starbucks. It's just not going to happen. And now I hear fluid is better than Starbucks. We are going to have to have a paradigm shift. 
that God is working in the world and he will not be in a box of church. That we got to go and we got to see and we got to say, God, we want to partner with you. And so one of the things we've been talking about with these G3 groups, as Hannah would so eloquently say, Gary Grove groups, we will take time in 2023 to go out and ask questions and survey these blocks that we're committed to in the city of Gary. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to see where is the man at the pool out there? Where is the woman at the well? Where are the basketball rims? Because we want to discover how God is at work already in Gary. God's not going to start working because Flores showed up. God been working way before we ever got here. And maybe there are more people sitting by the pool and stuck but need to hear about Jesus. Or will we be a church that can't see past Sunday in our religion and miss the people at the pool? And so what would happen if a church goes out and just starts talking to people, finding out things about their lives? And then what would happen is happen after we hear them and we listen to them, then we say, Let's commit this to prayer. And then we say, Holy Spirit, show us where you're at work. And then we say, Holy Spirit, give us resources and give us confidence and give us faith to then go be the answer to some of these things. And then, Holy Spirit, as we go, because sometimes we'll get nervous and we don't want to talk to people. Some of us, we hate talking to folks. But would you give me the boldness and the courage of a lion so that I know that it's you at work in me? And would you help me not to pass up these moments that you are working? And Lord, would you use my mouth? Would you use my life? Will you, will you use my hands for your glory so that others may pick up their mats and begin to walk with you? Because I believe that they're waiting. Listen, God doesn't just want to use you. God wants to partner with you. And he's inviting us into his kingdom work. So don't just say, I love what this one article says, don't just say, God, use us for your glory. Instead say, God, we want to partner with you in your work. Do not say, God, use people in his kingdom. Instead say, God, call people to partner with you in your kingdom. Don't say God wants to use us for his purpose. Instead, say, God is inviting you to partner with him in a new creation. And see, often what God does is do things that is far beyond what we can conceptualize on our own. The worship team is coming back at this time. See, often we want God to give it to us straight. we like, God, just, just make it plain. Just tell me Tell me what you're doing. We want a clear vision. We want, we want to know the 10 steps to reach a neighborhood. We want to know 10 years from now how God is going to work. But friends, partnering with God in his work is up and down, around and round. As we follow the ways of grace, we become like a crinkle wall. I'll leave you with this delightful thing I found about this week. 
a crink, they call it a crinkle crinkle wall. There's an unusual type of wall built in a serpentine shape which provides greater strength than that of a straight wall of the same thickness of bricks. And friends, working with God is crinkly. But as we follow him, his work lasts longer and it is stronger if we trust and believe that he's at work.